If your Netflix account is trapped in Portuguese. It's Portuguese, man. I don't know what's going on. I can't figure it out. I've emailed, I've called, I've done all the all the BS. It, it's, it's Can I make post. a suggestion to you? Here we go. Cancel we the go. account and start a new one, you stupid. Yeah, but my email address is the whole thing that controls it. I've tried that too. Get a second email address. Well, that's you what toolbox. I'm going to have to do now. I just had this discussion with somebody yesterday. My Netflix game is horrendous. I don't have one. Anyway, there's a new documentary out mm-hmm. or docuseries or whatever that's about like the inside of some traumatic thing. And you remember the melee at the palace? 2004. Yep. Oh, yeah. Detroit Pistons, oh, the whole yeah. deal. How can you forget? It's good stuff. Good stuff. What a great documentary last night about that, that happened, whole. If that happened now, they'd have to <clears throat> they'd have to move everybody. Like Detroit, the, like the stadium would close. It'd be like, it would be uh, everybody's, it'd be lawsuits up the yin-yang complete. Uh, it'd just be a horrible Oh, thing. okay. All right. And everybody would be in masks. Good times. Just shut up and drink your coffee, for God's sake. Let them fight, man. Just let them fight. I'm, I'm over it. Hi. This is the way this podcast is going to start. Yeah. Okay. Going to start with me getting Jason Pridmore all kinds of angry. Oh, no, and then I'm the not next, angry. The next question I'm going to ask him is, how can so many people in World Superbike run over green paint and nobody say anything about it? Did you see it? And you know what? <laughs> I love it. Good for World Superbike. My new favorite series. Yes. I love World Superbike. I think the tracks are going to are shit, but I like World Superbike. I mean, they've literally, you got Bruno just down the road and they go to that track most. And did you read that World Endurance, obviously we know that eight hour got canceled at Suzuka, but they're going to let those, can you imagine a World Endurance race at most? No, no. <laughs> They're going to actually have to replace brake hearts. pads in the middle. How many hours? Four well, hour? I don't know. There's going to be broken hearts there. There's going to be so many guys whining, <laughs> Broken hearts, broken parts, oh. budgets. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Greg's Garage Pod with co-host up, Jason everyone? Pridmore. Presented by Bike911.com. Now, Jason, did you know that Bike911.com has been helping its clients with exceptional representation since 1995? I do know that because I'm I part know. of it. I know. Yeah. And you've known Alessandro Asani for many years. I get it. Oh, but what a beauty too, by the way. Dude, he is a beaut. You know, over the years of helping people just like himself, because he is a motorcycle rider, used to be a you know top level racer in his community and dipped his toe into a few pro races. He's recovered over $100 million in jury verdicts and settlements for his riders. People just like you and me, Jay. Listen, everybody. Me. Yeah, yep. he's done it. If you ever need some legal counsel, we hope you never do, certainly. But if you need it, go check out bike911.com and get up with Alessandro Asante, or as we like to call him, <laughs> Double A, the Alex. You know Just what's funny sh- too? You know what's you know what's great about Alex too for teams or for teams or writers or anybody. I used to have him go through all my contracts. Yeah, that's really nice. No, it's great. And so, like, if you need somebody to peruse over your stuff who understands your sport and your industry, it's the guy. And, it's you know, I know it sounds like we're just commercializing this, but it's it's not. Like, there's so many people now in this day and age that need somebody like Alex. And how hard is it to just go out and find a random person to do this for you? And if you're in the motorcycle community, this is the, you know, he's the guy. He's the guy you well, got to go to. So. And, and yeah, so like if you call up and you need some help, bike911.com, there's obviously links on how to get a hold of Alex and stuff. Make sure you tell him Jason sent you from the podcast. But mm. the reality is, Jay, is that as you, you know, Alex is a guy who's been low key, who's been kind of an industry 
you know, like we all knew about Alex, he's kind of an insider and we've had these conversations for years, you know, as a, as a law firm, when do you start advertising? When do you let people know in the general public who people are turning to? And so, you know, luckily enough for us, we've convinced them that bike911.com is more than just a sticker on the side of a motorcycle over the years that, you know, we're going to get the word out a little bit because he is such a good guy and he's helped both of us out over the years. And he is definitely, definitely without question, faster than one of the hosts of this show. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. He's probably still. Hasn't ridden a road race bike in, I don't know, 30 years, but he's probably... Cons- Maybe we should get him to be Battle of the Olds. If you're listening to us for the first time, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast so you can actually hear some meaty content. The way this podcast's going, I would think, just fast forward to like 20 minutes in and then you'll actually get to hear about racing, but... Uh, check that out. I am been, oh yeah. And if you want to, uh, support the channel, patreon.com slash Greg's garage TV coming up here, the season's over. I think when we have a little bit more time, we'll have some other exclusive content for our Patreon supporters. I'm riding to the races. I actually got to ride to an archery tournament, but we're going to talk about that in a second. Subscribe to Greg's garage TV YouTube channel to find out more. If I ever have time to put videos together, Jason, how was your weekend? By the weekend way. was good. I, I just got home last night from. Uh, I literally just got home last night. Let from me guess. Palm from golfing? Yeah, from golf. I didn't. I didn't golf. I well, yeah, it had something to do with golf. Of course, it did. So I was. I was on the caddy. I was on the. I was on the bag this weekend. I was caddying over there. So um, I was there for a few days, and because I came, I went straight from Pittsburgh to Ohio, from Ohio straight to Palm Springs, and had the flight from hell coming home as it happens to you and I every now and then. <laughs> um, it's still better than riding across America. But Ugh. anyways, no, it was all, it's all good. I'm happy to be home. I'm home now for what? What are we home for? Like a week? Uh, you are. two weeks, huh? You are. Yeah, you're leaving Wednesday. I leave Wednesday. I got to go here. I got to go there. But bottom line is I have to go to, <laughs> I have to go to Southern Georgia to uh, Fort Benning, Georgia, where there is the final round of the season for the Archery Shooters Association or the ASA. And yep. commentate their finals oh, on good. Saturday. So working. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's good, dude. That's great. Promises well, to be nice and warm. That that was one they had to move. Are you because, riding? Are you riding down there? No, I decided not to, be, just because yeah. of the heat on this one. Um, yeah. You know, the, well, then I'll have a week off, week and a half off, and then I'll ride up to Jersey, and then ride to Barber. But I've got to co- talk to Moto America and find out what's going on with the banquet because I think there's banquet Monday after, and I don't know Is if there- I'm hosting or what I'm doing, because if I am hosting or if they want me to host, I should say, I need to figure out how to get a suit down to uh, Alabama because, or fold up a suit, nice, nice, and put it on the motorcycle. Well, couldn't you, you could probably bring it to Jersey, bring a suit to Jersey or something, or. I mean, I'm riding either way, riding to Jersey, riding to, you know, so it's kind of the same, same. So no teams that go through where you're at? Nope. But I mean, I could box one up and ship one down, you know, ship it down if I needed to. But I mean, there's always ways. I just need to know beforehand. I don't need to find out on, you know, Wednesday before the last race. Like, oh, by the way, are you available to host the banquet Monday after? It's that time of year already. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I've seen on the internet some people wrapping up some championships already. You know, did you see Valentin DeBees ended up winning the the French Super Sport Championship? I was like, man, season's over for him. Congratulations, Valentin DeBees. And now he's riding. Well, he he rode for GMT, Christophe Guillaume. He rode for him at. uh, uh, most and check, and then he had to go wrap up the French thing, and then I think he's back on the bike. When those guys go to Magny Corps in a couple of weeks, the bees will be riding for the for GMT ninety four, which 
great team, good team. That's who Clazelle's riding for right now. And um, they had Caracasulo and they booted him. And so uh, DeBees is riding for them now. Well, I got to go to an archery tournament and I worked on Saturday, commentated the gold medal match finals for Competition Archery Media is the company. And then obviously it's for USA Archery. USA Archery is in a line with World Archery and the USOC, the Olympic Committee. Uh, so they, USA Archery is the organization that sends our athletes to the Olympics. Got it. And all six of the athletes we sent to the Olympics were there competing. Um, three of them, two men and one of the women, uh, were competing in the gold medal matches this, you know, Two of them, the two men were both on the team. But anyway, I got to shoot and that was the kind of defense of my 2019 title, but not really. We had it in 20, but it was kind of limited, but still I haven't shot Jay. Not I know you I haven't. Mean, you've been, I haven't, been pretty you know, I've been riding a motorcycle around the country and stuff. So I had some really good shots. Um, but one of the things that we were doing here, because we they didn't include the, the youth in this particular tournament, is they brought back mixed team rounds. And they brought back team rounds. So mixed team is you, like me and and my friend Crystal. And then you have uh, two arrows that you have to shoot a piece. And you have two targets that are sitting next to each other. And you have to put two arrows in each target. You can do it either singular and you got to get off the line. And there's another line. It's like a whole thing. You get yellow carded and all kinds of stuff. It's a lot of fun. I'd never done team rounds before. So it was my first time. So we made it through our first elimination rounds. Then we got knocked out. Both of us haven't been shooting. Crystal, like 2015 was the number two compound archer in the world. Wow. But then she tried to switch to, or she did switch to recurve to try to make the Olympics. But with that one year delay, uh, it, it just wasn't possible. It wasn't possible yep. for her with her work schedule. So she's back on a compound bow. And then the next day was the team round. And initially I got to shoot with a guy who's like the one of the winningest or second winning, I can't remember, uh, in world archery. Uh, this guy, Rio Wild. He's, uh, he, he, you know, He's the goat. He literally has a release called the goat release and <laughs> a guy, and he's on the U S a world cup team. And then the second guy was a guy named Chris Schaff, who's also on the team, but he ended up, he's got a kid, a couple kids and he was putting a trampoline together, Jay. And I mean, have you ever done this? This is like a couple days before he's got the a trampoline together the, for my kids. No, no but the that. national championship he's getting, mm -hmm. and he's putting and a, a spring gouged the web oh, of his hand right where you hold the bow and he had to oh, get stitches yeah that's not good no so he had yeah, to sit out of it be good for you yeah, no but sucks. a guy named uh yeah a guy named brandon reyes who works for um one of the company's products that i use I'm not sponsored by them but true ball excel i used one of their releases he stepped in and we ended up marching our way right through the gold medal match and uh we got smoked in the gold yep. medal match but i got a silver <laughs> so that's all right you know, and I, I was, I was, I was kind of the weak link. You know what I mean? I mean, but no. I had some good, I had some good shots. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's good. The cool thing about team round when you have single round eliminations is that, you know, you end up shooting, uh, six arrows each four times. And in that, you know, some rounds are good. Like Brandon definitely carried us through the first round. And then we kind of were even the second round, the very, the last two shots that each of us took, I was the only one who shot two tens. But it was it was too late at that point. We got smoked by some old guys um, that I normally shoot with. So, I mean, they put up a score that would have won any any team competition in the yeah. world. They were just but absolutely they're, shredding they're on it. Yeah, yeah. But it was good. nice to get back to archery. It was nice to compete again. It's yeah. nice to learn how much I've lost. Uh, yep. and, and and you know what's going on with the shot. Just like you know you have in golf. But anyway, so yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's nice to get out and compete. But let's move on with our podcast because it's now time for news presented by Arai. Uh, 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 uh. All right, Jay. For three generations, Arai's been making some of the world's best helmets. And of course, Arai helmets meet all safety standards. But they also pride themselves in a blend of engineering tech and human craftsmanship. That makes an Arai helmet fit better and feel better, which also protects you better. Your head's worth the very best, so do yourself a favor. Go to AraiAmericas.com for more information on tech fit and, of course, paint jobs. That's so important. A good paint job on your helmet is critical. I don't care who you are. AraiAmericas.com because you owe it to yourself. All right. Let's get to it. Again, Jason, another week full of juicy stuff. And I guess we're going to start with MotoGP because, as you know, you've heard that Maverick Vinales was suspended from the last MotoGP, from his Yamaha factory ride. And then it was announced that he's going to be a factory Aprilia rider for next year. And then it came out a couple days ago that they just pulled, Yamaha just pulled the plug on Vinales. Just, yeah, but just last week in the, on the podcast, didn't I say that? I said, why would they even let him ride the bike again? Yeah, no, no, no. And and, and I thought they might. So yeah. And then I, it was what? Only two or three why... days after the podcast, they were like, we're done with this guy. I, I figured I was just, a, I was on an island here because... You know, with everybody that's in MotoGP, all the journalists and stuff that I follow on Twitter and this and that, I was I was thinking to myself, this guy tries to, I mean, basically abuses the spike publicly, like on video. Everybody sees it, um, apologizes for it, then then tells everyone that he signed with Aprilia. Mm-hmm. Uh, why would Yamaha want any part of this guy anymore? Like. I didn't. I, I. It didn't come as a shock to me whatsoever that that Yamaha got rid of him, uh, or basically said we don't even we're not going to let you ride the bike anymore. Especially after he comes out and says he signed with Aprilia. Like the, if that announcement doesn't get made and he goes to Silverstone and he sits on the sidelines again, there then I would have started to think that there was a chance. But you got to remember, wait, you know how they say that uh, you know if you get a star player and he loses the locker room, he's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same way here. If you, it, your crew, your your mechanics, the guys that put their blood, sweat, and tears into that motorcycle weekend and week out, away from the uh, track and at the track, last thing they want to do is see their rider try to abuse the thing and screw it up, like in anger. I mean, come on, like in and, anger, and, especially and especially that, with the motor rule, okay? Because if you actually watch, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, if you watch the end of Moto Two. Yeah, the the second moto. Sorry, if you watch the end of the second moto from this weekend's pro motocross race, uh, Jeremy Martin wins the race, and as on, you know, as he pulls off Ferrandis, the track, they all do it. I hate it all, right, but but dude, they, they got millions it. of millions, but they got motors. They just replace them. There's no limit. Nobody cares. And I'm not and I'm not being facetious here, but let's just say that a motocross motor probably isn't worth the same as a MotoGP bike motor. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, know, I think I that's want, fair. I don't want I don't want Wygant like battling me on this and coming back and telling me that if. Motocross motor is worth you know two hundred fifty grand or something stupid. If he, but um, I'm gonna tell you if if Wygant feels like that's the case, he's gonna get up in your grill, boy. I, I needed that's perfect. So, but the thing is, is those guys do it, and I'm sure the mechanics cringe a little bit when that happens. Um, the the thing is, is that even the people that came to his defense about, oh, you know, like I saw Dominic Agurta come to his defense. I've done it when I'm happy. I've done it when I'm mad. If you do it when you're happy, it's usually because it's a good result. And I, I again, I'm sure that. It's not something that when you have a control motor, again, somebody else is going to have to get on that bike if they don't have Vinales on there. And if that person doesn't have the motors to do it because you just got done blowing one up. But regardless, it's probably the best. How do you think this works, though, GW? Do you think that 
Do you think that Yamaha lets him out of the contract and stops his pay? Like, in other words, if you have 10 races and you're getting paid a million a race and he only did seven races, is he only getting seven million? Then the last, he's just done. It depends they, on no the way, way they could. Do they pay him out of his contract? I don't think so. There's, there's gotta be, a, there's gotta be a clause in his contract. And I told, and I said this actually on the last podcast, if you listen to the way that the press release was worded initially, mm-hmm. it, it, it sounded almost like there's a phrase in his contract that basically says, you know, if you're a bad boy, we can let you go. And yeah. so my guess is since they stated it, whatever, but at this point, if you're Vinales, do you really want to fight for it? You know, well, because the ru- yeah. the rumor you is yourself look like a bit of a, a knob end, haven't you? Like, well, yeah, but the rumor is too, Jay. At this point, okay, um, you know, the rumor is that Vinales is going to test the Imperia RS. Well, it's not really a rumor, I guess, because it's happening, uh, right? Yeah, right. He's going to test it on the thirty first of August and September first, and because Imperia is under those concessions that they have, because they haven't won a race, haven't you know finished on the podium, whatever, you know, they have the the special concessions. I think they're the only manufacturer left that they still have six wild card spots available for the year. Right. So, I, I mean, think about the jump that Aprilia is going to get with Vinales. And I think that the motor situation with Vinales is probably was just the icing on the cake. I think that, yeah, that that's easy for us to see. And it's, but dude, there's so much strife going on there oh, before sh- that. Yeah. There was so much stuff before. And be- you know because Jason, in- have you been, in, I, I, I remember, and I don't know if this was you, but I remember oh, great. back in the day, Okay, that I I think it was Richard and there might have been some other manufacturers at some point that asked their riders not to do celebratory wheelies because the way the oil and the oil sump would work, it would starve the engine and the engine would blow up. Right. Or had the potential to a lot more wear. And but you still saw celebratory wheelies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, or I've never seen somebody do a wheelie in anger to try to blow a motor up. I don't think. I mean, no, 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 no. Yeah. It's like nobody's riding around you know, on the rear wheel trying to do something bad. No, I agree. I, I think the thing that's really interesting about this, and maybe this is why he came out and, you know, look, I'm sure everything was calculated. He's not just going to have Yamaha say, you're not riding at Silverstone. Then he just comes out and says, I'm riding for Aprilia next year. Mm. It's very calculated. And the fact now, Greg, that I believe, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong, Greg, but was it the Turkish round or no, the Malaysian round that got canceled in MotoGP? So now they're going to do two rounds at Mazano. So he's going to get to test at Mazzano on the on at the end of August and September first, and then now they've got two rounds at Mazzano. So I mean, it really couldn't work out any better for for Vinales. I mean, when you really think about it, because he's going to get to go test his bike at a track that there's still two more Grand Prix at, and you know they're going to put him on this bike. And how many rounds are there left? Seven. Seven. So he can legitimately ride in six. Mm-hmm. And you think that there'll be no concessions to let him ride in the seventh or the if if that was the case, I, I would think that Moto. No, GP that's would an FIM him, rule. I don't think that they would. I mean, the only they way they Salvadori or something, right, weird, right, right, and and you don't as an organization, you don't want to do that. Remember, the Salvadori came in under clouded circumstances. Bradley Smith, Salvadori, they don't oh. know. You know what I mean? Like there was yeah. a whole, there was a bit of a ruckus there with Aprilia. You know, this might be the move. You know, you get some, you get some really good information. Again, I kind of go back to this thing that that I was talking about last year, Aprilia has Alicia Spargo as a rider. They have Bradley Smith as, as their test rider for, you know, they don't anymore, but they did. But if you look at it, they've had no real superstar on the bike up until this year who had like legit solid electronics experience background. Yep. I'm not sure how heads up Maverick Vinales is. I'm not sure if he's a blend between 
someone like you who doesn't care how it gets done, mm-hmm. but it just works yep. to a person who's all the way on the other end of the spectrum, say Bradley Smith, who wanted to know practically every keystroke and you know what I mean? Who's yeah. just a hugely intelligent Torque guy who, on the motor and shit. Yeah. yeah he yep. just enjoys yep. that. That's part of it. Part of the learning yep. and stuff like that. So I don't know if it's that, spe- you know, where Vinales falls in in that spectrum, but coming from the background he's had, the fact that he is 100%, you know, an electronics rider, he's going to bring a lot to the table for Aprilia, and he really is going to give them a jump start on what's going to happen in 2022. And we know that the bike made a big step this year in terms of like just the overall feel and the speed of the, of the bike in the corners and stuff like that. So, you know what I find really interesting about this thing? Hmm. That, that now when you look at Aprilia, um, they're starting to get some real proven winners on their bike. Okay, mm-hmm. so you look at everybody prior, um, the guys that have been trying to help develop this bike uh, for for years. There's not really been anybody on it that's been a like a full blown Grand Prix winner. Now they've had Dovi on the bike. Now they're going to have Vinales on the bike. You're going to get a real sense of a, and an idea, and Aprilia is going to get a sense of an idea as well of which one of these guys really know a direction to take this bike in. Mm-hmm. Aleish, as good as he is, we just don't really know how good he really is. We don't know if this bike has been capable of winning for two years. We don't know. Um, but because now when you start putting guys on a bike that, that, you know, is capable of winning, um, well, well, I mean, we're going to see that we're going to see what, what Mavericks, what Mavericks views of the bike are compared to Dovey's views of the bike. And mm-hmm. it'll be, it's going to be an interesting thing to see. So I think that, uh, that day in Mazzano where they get to go testing, let's hope that the weather's good for him and he can get some real good laps on the bike, but it's a bizarre situation. I don't think I can think of anything that's ever really happened like this. Um, since you and I really know of a rider just getting booted from a team, signing immediately with another. I mean, that's, I figured he'd be out for the year. I didn't think that he'd be riding again this year. On that, that's the, I mean, that's rider getting point. punted, right? Didn't Kaczynski get punted mid season? Yeah. Yeah. Nineties or something. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. 93. But I remember that. Uh, yeah, that was, I'm sure, I'm sure he really appreciates Maverick Vinales right now doing this, but <laughs> the whole, the whole Kaczynski's back in the news type of thing, right? Poor guy. Yeah, I know. So, and I, yeah. I like John Kaczynski a lot, dude. I'm a I huge, do. Huge, the few times fan. I've met him, he's been pretty interesting. Yeah. He's been really good to me. Um, we'll keep with this theme because Cal Crutchlow is going to basically be on the factory team for the rest of the year, <laughs> filling in for Maverick, which of course we still have Franco Morbidelli who's injured. So the word came out. That I mean, it's kind of a badly kept secret, but Jake Dixon, who's a British rider in Moto2 for the Petrona Sprinta team, is going to be bumped. He's going to get his bump, everybody. That's that's track day talk, right? Oh, dude, he's going from <laughs> he's going from intermediate to advanced. He's getting his that's bump, right. going to MotoGP, and he's going to ride at least uh, that round for Franco Morbidelli. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I mean, they got to put somebody on the bike, and why not an English guy, I suppose? Um, you know, Dixon's been doing Moto2. It's kind of weird because... It would be like you and I pumping up Cam's results this year. Cam's results have been what they've been, um, regardless of it, if you look at it. Jake Dixon's been over there for three years, and I don't think he's really done any better. Like, you know, he gets a lot of hype on on the shows and stuff. Jake Dixon was a tremendous superbike rider, and he made the jump. He's been over there for three years. Uh, not saying that, you know, not saying he doesn't deserve a shot. I'm just saying that I don't know who else they would put on it. Um, you know, when you start looking even at BSB, Jason O'Halloran is doing amazing on a Yamaha right now. Um, Tara McKenzie's won a couple races, I think, this year. Yeah, on but Yamaha Jay, no, well. there's no electronics so, experience. That I get that. is the fundamental I, issue, and it's I, I do get that. Um, it's what makes Moto America stand out right now is the fact that we still have full blown electronics, and we have people like Gerloff who can go in and speak the language and and well, understand some, it right away. I saw some 
I, was it like a petition or something like to get Gagne on the bike at Coda? Really? Oh yeah, it, it was like because you know I don't know what they're going to do. Like, what do they do after this? I mean, Patronus is in a weird spot. I don't know when more. I don't know when Morbidelli is coming back. Morbidelli looks like he's going to the factory team next year, which is interesting. Um, there's a lot of guys without seats too that we'll talk about on another, another podcast. But I mean, like you know, you got Savadori gone, and you got um, Ikalakavona's gone, Petrucci's gone. I mean, where are all these guys going to end up going? You know, um, mm. it's going to be interesting to see, but. I think it's great for Jake Dixon. I, I I didn't mean that to sound like mean or hostile. I think it's great that he's got a shot. I think it's going to be good for the English fans to have two British riders now um, racing this weekend. I think Crutchlow's probably pedaling probably 100 miles a day at the moment, probably trying to get himself more fit. Some of his <laughs> yeah. comments were really, really good after he rode the bike in Austria. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch uh, at Silverstone. On the world superbike side of things, some changes there as well. Scott Redding, the current Aruba, Aruba.it factory Ducati rider and world superbike, who's having a good run at it right now, is headed to BMW. And with that, it looks like Alvaro Bautista is going to return to the Ducati folds. Your thoughts on this entire situation? Okay, we're 25 minutes into this podcast. This might take an hour. <laughs> okay, let me uh, let me stretch out and brace myself and get myself a nice little drink of water. Which is Ducati I, that arrogant? I mean, what is going on bottle? with Ducati? What is going on um, with Ducati? I, I I don't know. Okay, I, okay. What I don't get, okay, is that, that bike. That bike is not easy to ride. Okay, and they have made it seem like I I, I don't understand how Scott Redding just kind of quietly walks out the door without Ducati going. Well, who are we going to put on this bike? And hmm. then you're telling me they're going to bring Batista in to ride this bike again? I, I I is this the most insane thing you've ever listened to? This guy 1,000% completely choked the championship away for Ducati in the window of opportunity that they had when that bike was head and shoulders above everything else. All that guy's done on the Honda is crash every weekend. Now, I know this sounds like a lot of hate. It ain't. It's facts. You're going to bring a guy in that's already proven that he can't close out a championship with a gigantic points lead, and you think that he's going to come in and beat Top Rack and Johnny Ray and everybody else. Now, Scott Redding, in my opinion, I don't think he's going to be anywhere on the BMW. The BMW hasn't proven anything to me to show me that it's capable of running up front with the Kawasaki or the Yamaha at all. So it's either got to be very, very money inspired by Redding just going, well, hey, BMW knocked on my door and they're going to pay me double. Maybe Ducati had no choice in this matter. Maybe Ducati just went, well, gosh, they're going to pay him that much money. We got to let him go because we're not going to pay that much. And we can go get Batista for a quarter of that, right? So I don't know all the ins and outs, but this to me – Seems insane. And I don't think that Petrucci's the answer. I don't think you bring Ducati. Ducati's going to bring Petrucci in. He seems like he's got one foot into the Perry Dakar rally already for KTM, just from what I've read. Like, what is what is going on? Like, how mm. does Ducati take Batista as the guy? I do not know. Just help me with some of these. Am I on point or not on this? <laughs> no, you're, I mean, you're on point, you know. I, the only thing I keep thinking about is Fabio Quattararo. And the reason I say that is because there's some people that look at people that haven't gotten results and say, mm, we know how to fix that problem. And Quattararo storms onto the scene after a lackluster Moto2 c- career and is absolutely crushing it. leading Quattro- the world. Ch- let's say Quattararo jams and leaves over and goes to KTM for a year. Mm. He doesn't come back to Yamaha. If he, if he, Let's say Quattararo doesn't win the championship this year with a 50-point lead. And let's say he's got three rounds to go, five rounds, whatever it is, okay? I know we got seven, but let's say he's got five because it was like four rounds left 
when Batista just started going on the choke fest in 19. I mean, do you remember he crashed three times at Laguna? <laughs> yeah. When, when I saw this on the rundown, I was like, I mean, well, I wanted to talk to you about this anyways. Like that, that single-handedly was the biggest meltdown I've ever seen from a rider leading a championship. I don't, I, don't, I can't think of anybody else that even and comes Ducati, close. Was not was the Ducati not the best bike on the grid that year? Hundred percent. Well, at least with one rider, it was on the grid at least. Yeah. And now, now you got a guy that just comes off of winning three of his last four races, who's just told you he's stepping out the door. Sykes is out, and 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 all of a sudden it's going to be Redding and Vandermark yeah. on BMW. Yeah, but Redding Sykes. said that no one else wanted him. That's, That's B- bizarre. Is that just bizarre? Ducati didn't want him. The only people that want him was BMW. <clears throat> so, so, and, and the stuff that I read about, oh, Ducati wants a light. Like, I think this is all bullshit, but Ducati wants a lighter rider so they can take advantage of the soft tire. And you know, come on, man. Like, are you, are you kidding? Like, just stop. No, stop. The, the bike, nobody, literally, when you look at it right now, <clears throat> the, the thing that Yamaha has going for them is that they've got Locatelli, they got Gerloff <clears throat> and, and Top Rack all going pretty fast. On the Kawasaki side of it, even Lucas Myas has shown that he's got some speed. Alex has been a bit dinged up, but he's shown that he's got speed. On the Kawasaki side of it, you got a couple, two or three guys. On the Ducati side of it, I do believe, and I don't, again, I hate being an a-hole about this. But where, was, <laughs> where was Rinaldi this week? I don't know. Where's he been? Where was he at most? He's not even been close. You take him to Mizano or Aragon, he does okay. But everywhere else, he hasn't done anything. And and so what is it that the Ducati goes, well, hey, Ronaldi's just, you know, if Ronaldi was kicking ass right now and, and Redding wanted to leave, then you could kind of see it. But when Redding comes out and says nobody else wanted him, you've got to think that he probably went to them after he got an offer from BMW and said, hey, listen, this is on the table. What do you guys think? Yeah. I don't Help know. me, G-Dub. Help me. I, I, I can't because it's always a weird thing. We've seen it in years past where riders – make you know make a decision about the future and then they just start riding their brains out i mean <laughs> lorenzo comes to mind in gp right oh. he's on the ducati for what a year and a half or whatever doesn't yep doesn't do anything he signs with someone at else Mizano. yeah he signs at with Mizano. Honda. he signs with honda at Mizano on and then Thursday went, night. On, went on some five race win streaker or five he won hey, five three races out of the next four or whatever whatever, so, whatever it was it was insane right and all of a sudden now this comes out now reading had won a race before but then he you know you, you know the contract was already signed and everything was already <laughs> bless you already done and dusted but and you're just like now all of a sudden the guy's on a on a streak and now everybody's like championship again and in Ducati's defense on the Lorenzo thing, he really hadn't done anything. Dude, nothing. He had done but, nothing. Now, but how but how do you go from one from that to all of a sudden? Well, if there was like, if there was any sign, out. if there was any sign going into Magello at all that Lorenzo had maybe found something and Ducati let him slide out the door because you and I had started our podcast by then and I said that had Lorenzo been on that Ducati the following year, I think he would have given Marquez a run. Mm-hmm. You know, he signed with Honda and was never seen again. The thing, the thing is, is that, is that in this case, Redding has been kind of your standard bearer on the Ducati, with the exception of Mazzano, where uh, Rinaldi did extremely well. But the thing is, is that I don't, I don't understand how. I mean, the guy's passionate. He, I mean, obviously, he he's a hard worker off the bike as well. Um, but but there could be more to it in the sense that. 
maybe Redding could see that he was never going to get that opportunity to go to MotoGP on Ducati regardless, right? Mm. Um, and this, I'm sure right now, this is probably just killing Loris Baz as well. If Floris Baz was dominating over here, he might have stepped right into that ride that Redding's leaving. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, and 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 so that that sucks for Loris. Um, but on the flip side of it, it's like it it's if they sign Batista, they get every they got everything they deserve. That guy, I don't even know Alvaro, and I, it's not like I, I I have no dislike for him, but it's like I don't understand Ducati's thinking in this regard. It's bizarre to me. Sorry. The only thing is that they may know something we don't, and that's the. That's kind of the point I was trying to make before. And time will tell. We'll know oh, next season. If insane. Bautista, I mean, you know, I definitely rated Bautista, I think a little bit higher than you did heading into his world superbike career. And I was sitting in all my glory and and basking in the success of Bautista early on. And when he, you know, nosedived with mouth open oh. into a bag of you know what's, um, oh. you know, I was like, oh, it well. started at Mazzano. It started at Mazzano. I, I remember the season like like he he was leading the, bike, the race. The bike at was brand brand new. Remember they just oh, just introduced was, that bike. It was a joke. Do you remember how fast the thing was? I mean, I think he was like half second off MotoGP times. Or a yeah, second it was insane. At Phillip Island, and, and, that, and you know it's so funny we don't talk about it anymore. But the talking point then was look at the bike. It looks like a MotoGP bike it's that's available insane. for the streets, and people were like ah 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 ah. ah. Now it's and like it's the same eh. bike two years later. Yeah, it's not had the success that Ducati wants. They seem like they just blame the rider all the time. And I could be way off kilter here. Ducati might have offered Scott Redding a very healthy contract, but just maybe it was half the amount of money that BMW was paying. Who, Who knows? knows? Who knows? You know, one more thing, Greg, before you get done with the news. I've been following the story, and I just wanted to say it's good to know that Brad Jones, BSB writer, mm. is awake and talking. I, I guess he's talking to his family and some visitors. He's still a bit confused of what's going on. But as we know, we saw a lot of tributes to him, hoping that he got better. In fact, Scott Redding was was the one of the main guys on that thing. Um, wore a special pink liveried helmet at most and ended up winning uh, that race number two at Czech a couple of weeks ago. And I think him and Brad Jones are obviously very tight. Um, and it's, it you know, boy, the poor guy's been um, in the neurological area of the hospital now for what, Greg, a month? Mm, uh, yeah. Three weeks to a month. But the fact that he is at least awake, breathing on his own, and talking to family members, I thought was a nice little read this morning. I got that press release and, uh, you know, we wish that guy, you know, we wish Brad nothing but the best, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, Jay, I was going to save this to the end of the show, but we might as well yeah. just kind of talk about it now. Um, you know, we're not an obit show. We don't talk obits a lot, but there's a couple couple deaths that have happened recently inside the motorcycle racing family. You know, Yvonne Duhamel, whose father, Mario and Miguel Duhamel, passed away. So did John Hopkins' mom, uh, Linda. And... I just want to, you know, publicly pass on my condolences to those family yeah. members and, and rest in peace because both Yvonne Duhamel and, you know, uh, Linda Hopkins, we knew, we knew them. They were in our paddock, you know, on and off and we knew them kind of coming through and, you know, I guess we're kind of getting at that age now, aren't we, JP? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no question. And, you know, when you say that, I mean, I remember Yvonne, obviously because of my father, um, I remember Yvonne from when I was just a little kid, like at the races, um, the number 17 Kawasaki was always somebody that was very <laughs> much in my face and getting to, getting to watch. The, the thing about Yvonne was that he was so successful in other forms of motorsports, not just motorcycle racing. I mean, it was snowmobiles. Um, there, there was so many different things. And mm-hmm. um, true icon of the sport, I remember when I was racing against Miguel and Mario, Yvonne was always there with a smile for me, always had great things to say, was always super polite. 
I remember him racing in the Battle of the Legends with my dad at Daytona. Um, I, I think that was in the early 90s, Greg, when they were doing those Battle of the Legends. And, you know, the fire was still there between the two of them. And, and they were just, it was just, <laughs> it was always seemed like a good guy. Always seemed solid. I reached out to Miguel this week um, and, and told him how sorry I was to hear. Now, Hopper's mom, I didn't, I didn't ever get to know Linda. So, um, but obviously with what she did with her son, um, you know, Hopper's a, a huge, huge part of our, our story, our industry. Um, and so, yeah, those are two pretty sad things to see this week. And you guys have some common threads, you and Hopper. His mom's British, just like your mother. Yes, I don't know what exactly part of the, right. what part of the UK they're from or whatever, but, uh, yeah, anyway, yeah. I just kind of wanted to mention that, but, um, so on that, uh, that's your news presented by Arai. Yeah. Now, Greg, this last weekend we were at world Superbike again. And I said that, you know, we're going to these racetracks and it's, it's almost like world Superbike's done a nice job of trying to find some fill in tracks. And I know that for a, an organization, that's important to find some of these places. Um, I really wasn't that impressed with most a couple of weeks ago and check. I thought it was kind of a weird track and it's going to lead itself into very aggressive riding. It's going to lead itself into aggressive overtakes, aggressive passing, and kind of everything that racing now has become like, oh, you know, people are, you know, being too aggressive. Well, when you take guys to these kind of tracks, <laughs> this is the stuff that you're going to get. And when you watch what happened this weekend, um, and I'll get to something else in a minute because I thought I thought it was pretty funny. Don't let me forget to, to mention Jeremy McWilliams here in a minute in, okay. in uh, some things. But Scott Redding, you know, announces his move to BMW and then just literally goes out and has the best weekend I think he's had in World Superbike. Wins two out of three races. And the two that he won, Greg, didn't even really look close. He got beat up a little bit uh, at the start of him. Uh, when he took the lead in race one from Johnny Ray, he was off and on his way. It was Redding, Ray, Rezgatiaglu, Locatelli, Alex Lowe's in the top five with Sykes, Vandermark, Bassani, Gerloff finishes ninth, and Rinaldi ends up 10th. In race number two, which was the Super Bowl race, um, so I guess it's not race two, we'll call it the Super Bowl race, <laughs> Redding ends up beating Ray and Rezgatiaglu. Again, if you watch the first three or four laps of that race, it was pretty good. But it was the same five again, Greg. Redding, Ray, Rezgatiaglu, Locatelli, and Lowe's top five. Then we had Sykes, Davis, Vandermark, Gerloff, and Batista rounded out. And in the last round uh, of race two, quite the turnaround. Rosgatiaglu came out with a completely different setup. Um, he ends up going on and winning, which ultimately ties the championship now at the top at 311 points between him and Johnny Ray. Redding is second in this race. Ray third. Locatelli again with uh, three-fourths this week. Sykes, Lowe's, Rinaldi, Batista, Vandemark, and Bassani are going to round out your top ten. I think when you go back and you watch this race, um, the racing was pretty exciting. The track itself was pretty one-lined. didn't seem like there was a lot of places to pass. Um, it sounded like Redding wasn't too thrilled with some of the stuff that went on in the Super Bowl race. But, Greg, when you get to these little tight bull rings of circuits, I mean, you've got to expect that some feelings are going to get hurt. Well, that being a one-line track, and the thing that impressed me the most were how many passes were made mm -hmm. in spots where you were like, well... If you look at the framing of the camera, Jay, and you go, yep. okay, there's that makes sense. There's a pass there. But then as the camera pans, you go, but wait a second, you got to park the thing to get the thing to go right almost 90 degrees. Like, so I thought the racing was good. I, I kind of thought that Loris Baz was sitting at home going, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, there's a hole sure. and he went for it and they touched. And oh, by the way, yeah, that one. And then the next one and the next one, because there was quite a lot of rubbing and racing this yeah, particular and, one. And, and let's be fair. When you look at Pittsburgh, um, there's a couple tracks on our on our schedule that you know 
are difficult to pass on. I mean, not everywhere is Laguna Seca, not everywhere is Road America. Um, there are places that are hard to pass. And it's like at this particular venue, again, uh, turn one there looks super fast. That's where Alex Lowe's had had his testing crash, I believe. Oh, turn that's one there. where he had his crash. That, that's that's what was. caused the red flag in World Super Sport Race 2. Yeah, did you see that? that? And one? that was yeah. fast. Um, that fast. was a weird one, though, wasn't it? That was definitely a weird yeah, one. Yeah, that was weird. So I think when you look back at this weekend, I think that this is where Redding kind of has to start his championship. And I'm sure he is motivated, beyond motivated, to put that number one plate on a BMW next year, um, especially with Ducati. So my feeling on this thing is that Ducati didn't show any real interest in keeping him. And he probably felt like his road to you got to think that Redding's road to MotoGP is closed now getting back there. Mm -hmm. uh, there's just too much young talent coming up. But he was extremely motivated. Um, anybody that's going to sit there and tell you that the Ducati doesn't have an advantage down the straightaway there are not watching the same thing. Um, the Ducati was extremely fast. Redding made a lot of his passes down the front straight to his credit, just like at most. Um, he was able to get by these guys. Uh, at most, he was able to get by them before they got to the braking zone, so it made it hard to pass him there. At this track here, um, he rode tremendous everywhere. There's no question. He was able to keep tires underneath him. Um, and he's taken advantage of a, of a bike that, that is, that is obviously very fast. So, well, the other thing too, is that if, <clears throat> if you watch the way Redding has to ride the Ducati, or at least the way he did here at Navarra, it is, it was, is distinctly different from the way that the Kawasaki and the Yamaha have to ride those bikes. Correct. And it, it's so in watching that race, one of the, the races, the thing that impacted me the most about the way Redding is riding the bike was it seems like he needs more front end field than he's needed before because he gets the bike turned so much quicker, uses a little bit less racetrack than the other bikes do because the, he knows the strength of the Ducati is acceleration. And so he's just trying to get it up on the meat of the tire so quickly. And it's it was gives the impression that the Ducati is a better handling bike at that particular track. If you go yeah. back and watch, World Superbike has like a 45-minute highlight package, right? that they put together that's got world super sport and, and, you know, so it's like all the passing and stuff. Yeah. If you watch it and you really watch the lines, you watch how much track that Redding had to use. You can really see the difference between what the bike worked or how it worked on Saturday versus yep. how it worked in race two on Sunday and how yep. much different it really was. And even Redding post race in race two said I had to ride it more like these guys had to ride it. So I could not use the Ducati strengths to my advantage. And yeah. part of the reason why he wasn't able to to win that it would have been his fourth race win in a row. And when you look at like Johnny Ray, it's when you see how much stress he was putting his front tire under, especially with five, six to go in these races, he was losing the front everywhere. It would have been really easy to put a thing on the ground. And a lot of that is just because of how much time he's got to be making up at the end of these straightaways and trail breaking off into corners and just wearing out his tire. What's more impressive, Johnny Ray at full sale the last couple of years, you know, winning by heaps, you know, leaps and bounds, or, I mean, the way I'm going to ask this question is going to taint this question a little bit. Mm -hmm. and I don't really care. Or how his skill is on display, riding a motorcycle to the limit and how many times he is crashing that thing and saving it. What is more impressive to you? The Johnny Ray skill level we're watching now, or the Johnny Ray skill level that we watched two, three years ago, four years ago, when he would just check out and win races by 10 seconds. I think, I think you, you kind of got to lump them in the same category. I mean, the fact is, is that he rides the same no matter what. And I think this goes to show the level of competition. Yamaha's really made a big step. Ducati's got a good guy on their bike right now that's capable. I mean, you got to think about it. At the beginning of the season, Scott Redding tossed a lot of points away. Mm -hmm. um, 
tossed a lot of points away at Aragon when the team made a decision on tires uh, in half wet, half dry conditions. He tossed points away at Donington Park. It's pretty incredible that Redding's as close in the championship as he actually is. I think, what is it, Greg? Like 45 points or 40 points or something like that anyways. I know he's not. He's, 30, he's, he's 38 points behind. 38 points back. It's nothing. Um, it's, it, well, it's nothing because I just did the math. There's 372 points still available in the championship. Yeah. He's right there. They, I think they said that race two of this weekend started the second half of the season. So we still have a whole other half season to go. And we're going mm-hmm. go to we're gonna go to Magni Corps. I think is next the French round, and then after that, um, I think they go to like Catalonia, which would no, be no. We go to, we, yeah, we yeah exactly go to Barcelona. You go to Jerez. Yep, Portimao, and 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 uh, you got to look at Portimao. I mean, we got to look at Jerez, and you got to look at uh, at uh, Barcelona. Those are both tracks that race MotoGP. Scott's going to feel good there, and if he gets mm-hmm. on a run, Cal- you know, Barcelona's got a gigantic long front straightaway. Yep, um, and to be fair, so does. Uh, so does Magni Core. Magni Core's got a pretty big long back straightaway. I, you know, it's been a Johnny Ray stomping ground, but Toprak won a race on the Kawasaki. If you remember, he beat he beat uh, Johnny Ray straight up a few years ago when he was riding that that uh, that that Kawasaki. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. And the spoilers could really be the guys that you really want to get in there are the Locatellis, the Rinaldis, and the Lowe's. If those guys can get in and amongst the three guys that are kind of leading the championship at any of these races, it could be they could be the spoilers for the championship. Well, I think one other name you got to throw in there who is really struggling with confidence right now has got to be Garrett Gerloff. Well, yeah. I mean, Gerloff, if he can find the balance between what Yamaha wants him to do, what the other riders are, you know, we're complaining about and the speed that we know he has, if he could find that balance before the year is out, I'm convinced that he could also play a role in this championship. And if he can put himself in a position to help, you know, top rack win this championship, then, you know, maybe there is redemption available for Gerloff who, by the way, DNF the second race, right? The third race, to no fault of his own. Jazz Davis got in there a little bit too hot at the beginning of the race, tucked the front and collected Garrett rear tire. So Gerloff was out. Um, And I'm sure there was a lot of, you know, it's, if you watch Garrett, he's got the pace, like all throughout the weekends, he's top five. And then when he goes off into turn one, it is like, okay, uh, where's that 54 bike? I need to stay way, way, way far away from him. Yeah. You can just see it in his body language. And it's going to be really interesting in like 10 years from now or 15 years from now or five years from now, if he goes and does something else, it's going to be really interesting to talk to Garrett about what his mindset was after Assen and how, you know, you wake up on a Sunday morning in Holland, you're gung ho, you're ready to go. Um, you've had a bad weekend. You, you do a great in the Super Bowl race. And it's just incredible that time between the Super Bowl race and race two at Assen, the excitement that he probably had to run up front and then to have what happened in turn one there. Um, which was like pretty devastating to his year, if you really think about it. Because yeah. he has been literally the talk of the town over there, going to do the MotoGP thing and racing World Superbike and re-signing early. And, and then all of a sudden, it has been crickets since that turn one incident. Um, Garrett's just trying to keep his nose clean. And Garrett is going to be a guy next year that will be a contender for this championship from race number one. Guaranteed. Next year, yeah. he will be. And I think that... I think that the best thing that could happen is if there's a way that he can help top rack. Cause I mean, he's letting all these guys go at the beginning and then he's just starting his race on like lap two and carving through guys. But I think that the fact that he got cleaned out by Chaz um, and you saw Chaz, you know, 
was was very um you could tell Chaz was very apologetic and yeah when they cut there. to him I mean, he gave this you know like sorry the, the, sign the prayer yeah. sign and all yeah. that stuff you know like yeah, yeah. um uh you could definitely tell i mean Chaz again Chaz doesn't have that reputation he's not the guy that cleans people mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. um just a mistake so it, was, it was a bummer it was definitely a bummer um but there's some guys greg that i that that when you when you look at it Locatelli has been beyond impressive i mean again I say it during the telecasts sometimes that once these guys see the pace, like once they actually see the pace and they see that they can actually get close to it, that transitions to every racetrack after that. And we saw him at Aston leading that race and being on the podium there. And since then he's been on fire. Uh, Andrew Pitt, his crew chief um, really believes in him a lot. And Locatelli is going to be another guy that's going to be tough next year. So he stays. So Locatelli stays. He stays. He's okay. there. I think he's. I, I don't think he goes anywhere. Like, why would they do that? It looks like him and Resgatiaglu get along awesome. Yeah, it's true. Um, Gerloff is staying where he's at. I don't think their team changes. I think Nazani is even staying there as well. So I think that uh, when you look at the race in this weekend, I thought it was good. I thought it was hard. Um, Tom Sykes, another guy. We, I get, you know, where's he going to go, Greg? Where's no, no. Tom Sykes going to go? Who's going to ride for Honda next year? There's a lot of things. There's a lot of moving parts over there. Um, Jake Gagne has a one-year deal. Honda, just saying. Yeah, you know, and I don't know if that's the. I don't. I, I'd be honest. If I'm Jake Gagne, I if I have the opportunity to stay with Attack or go ride that Honda, I I, I might. I think I'm staying here. Yeah, I mean, n- nobody's talking to Jake. I you know I talked no, to. I know that. I know that. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. Not not right now. Anyway, I mean, by the way, that whole rumor came out. I, I don't know if you saw my tweet or not, but that whole rumor had come out that. They were looking at Gagne to ride the MotoGP bike and blah, 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 blah. And as soon as I heard that, I, I got right on the phone with Jake Gagne, right on the phone with, you know, Yamaha here in the U.S. and just said, are there any legs to this rumor? And, you know, everybody said, no, 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 no. And then I got confirmation after the fact that Europe is not, you know, at, at least last week. And I tweeted about it. They were not interested at the moment. But who knows, you know, for the yeah, future. Obviously, that, the website Jake, that came out on is, man, those guys get bashed all the time. Well, that's why I decided to double check it. And the, the text message yeah. thread that I had with Gagne was hilarious. And yeah. Jake, I was like, Jake, and I screen grabbed it and sent it to Jake. And Jake was like, unless I have a manager I don't know about, no one's called me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah they, there you have it. Yeah. So, that, I mean, that, the, the yeah. way that that was written, though, Jake, could have been like, yeah, we're thinking about Jake Gagne. Like if they had a source in Yamaha Europe that said we're thinking about Gagne, that, that's isn't all it crazy it is. that you can isn't it crazy that you can just put something up on a website on a public forum that has no real validity to it just so that you can get clicks yeah. and you don't get held accountable for it it's yeah. and that website that did that um uh you know they're known for that and yeah it's 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 a it's a it's a bummer um we, we'd all love to see jake get the opportunity uh obviously so um, jake yeah jake would <laughs> so love that opportunity jake. as well yeah but it's it's um it's just one of those things where listen, Gagne is so focused on his own program and what he's yeah. up to and you know, the life that he has in, in Colorado now with his girl and his family and his dog and da da da. He texted me back and he said, after I said something, he's like, what MotoGP bikes are even available? Yeah. And I said, ah, uh, the factory seats available as well yeah. as the Patronus seat because Morbidelli's injured. And he writes back, Oh, that's cool. Sign me up for the factory one. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. It's part of what I love about Jake Gagne, honestly, dude. He just runs his own program. You know, he's yeah, not on Instagram worrying about this, worrying about that. And it's part of what's making him so successful this season. But anyway, I, yeah, 
it's 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 going to be interesting to see what happens. I also like this Bassani kid. Yeah, I I really like him too. I mean, he's making strides quietly. He's he's yep. just putting Doing in laps thing. and getting some speed, and he's making some good passes and beat Ronaldo yeah. in two out of the three ra- races this weekend too. You don't say. Yeah, it's interesting. To see, like this is where we got to get our boy English on the phone. Big Steve, got to get him on. Get him on the bu- get him on soon because we got to have a chat with him. He, All right, he knows that's fine. A lot about what's going on. All right, well let let's go ahead and move forward then because World Supersport had a couple yep. great races, didn't they? Well, great. Yeah, well, I mean, early, were, great early. I should say, yeah, er, this early weekend, racing. Yeah, this weekend for sure was the R six Cup. The Kawasaki's weren't even close at this place. <laughs> Not and even. And Augusta. If you if you watch the beginning of those races, and you got ten R sixes line astern, pretty much. I mean, Odell tried to kind of get in there and 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 whatever, but it wasn't really close. But Dominika Gertz has got that that feel. I mean, his experience has really shown through this year, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no I mean, doubt about it. And 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 the team, you know, I mean, you got to hand it to Tenkata. They Tenkata, they came back to racing, and what they get there, eighty first win, eightieth yeah. and eighty first win this weekend. <laughs> and by the way, that bike is slow. Is it? Yeah. If you look at the bikes around Agurta, I how, go back and watch those races, which I know you won't, but go back and watch them. Tell me how many people Agurta passes on that front straightaway. Yeah, no, that is true. That is true. He was true. getting smoked by everybody. That's why if he didn't lead through, it, basically what he had to do is he had to make his passes early in the lap in order to hold those guys up and get away for a lap. Because if he made those passes, say in the second, um, like the last third of the of the lap, he mm-hmm. couldn't get a far enough. He couldn't get away from him enough to to not get zapped back down that straightaway. He was getting smoked down the front straightaway every lap. Mm. So big credit to him. I mean, big so, credit to him. Yeah, so Gerda wins, but there was some good battling between him and Odendahl. In the first one, they finished yep. one two. Uh Bernardi finishes in third place, Cluzel, Caracasulo on back through the field. One rider I thought that was impressive in race number two was uh uh Jesperson, who yep. ends up starting the race number nine. He's riding for Calio Racing and he's out of Denmark or whatever, but Agerda uh, wins over Odendahl. And so basically it's the same podium. Mm-hmm. But uh, there were a couple people that threw themselves in there early. I mean, this Jesperson guy came from like row three and he led the race by turn one. I was like, who? Yeah. What? Who is this guy? Um, so there were some pretty impressive, but you're right, Jay. I mean, he races it- in the Spanish championship over there. So he'd been there. He'd raced there uh, earlier this year. Oh, and, okay. Yep. So he's, he's, he races the Spanish championship and he was there the first day, um, kind of got himself up in that mix for the podium and then, you know, went backwards a little bit. He had the old, the old grade. The Greg White thing, you know, that's the eight lap club race guy that has to go do Moto America, and all of a sudden it's a eighteen lap race. Dude, it's a thing. I'm, it's, just I'm saying, telling you, it's I, a not, thing. I, I not a physical thing. It's I a mental thing. You get to lap wasn't. six, you get to lap eight I of the club race, and then wasn't. I don't know how long the the Spanish round championship <laughs> races are. I don't know, but it definitely seemed like you know, and I don't know is is the Spanish championship a one? It's got to be a one tire rule. That, yeah, I mean, it has I don't to be. I don't know though. if it's don't Pirelli know. or not, because that yeah, would be the other either. thing. The guy rips on a Pirelli, and then the bike setup just doesn't, you know, he just but, burns but through yeah, the tire. He was, he was impressive. I mean, he was impressive. Um, Cluzel, I just, I don't know. I I just, I like watching Cluzel, and I just, the the problem with it is the poor guy's been taken out so many times. I just go, like, <laughs> who's going to clean him out? And if you watch him at the start of the second race, he's kind of there, and then it's like, He's got one guy standing him up and another guy standing him up. And he's just like, it's almost like he's got both his arms up. Like, please, nobody smash me, please. Poor guy. <laughs> Enough already. Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, good racing there. The championship yeah. uh, is 47 points. 
uh, Agurter has it over Odendahl. So it's not it's not uh, it's not done yet. But the way that Dominic Agurter is running right now, it's looks like he's the favorite for this championship. And I, yeah, I just love he's, he's smoking him, isn't he? He is smoking him. Really, at the yeah. end of the day, he really is. Um, yeah. So they got a they got a their next race coming up in a couple of weeks. So we'll preview that when it happens. But let's move yep. on to American Flat Track because our boy JD Beach yep. ends up going to Peoria to the TT on the Yamaha Estenson Racing bike, and he ends up smoking everybody three point two seconds over Briar Bauman, Jared Meese finishing third on the Indian. Um, they made a couple changes to the track. Jay, the jump was still big, but. It was uh, a very interesting race. Our boy Raspoli ends up 10th on the only Harley Davidson in it, just ahead of slamming Sammy Halbert. The championship over there has Bauman with 217, Mies on 192. J.D. Beach is back there in fifth with 161. Remember, he was leading the championship after like a second place finish, and then he won the third race, the TT. Anytime it says TT on it, just pretty much hand it to Beach at this point. Yeah, it's um, pretty amazing. So good it, to see J.D. winning. Yeah, in the yeah. in the twins class, uh, Dan Bromley ends up winning over Ben Lowe and Jesse Janich in that one. That was uh, Jesse Janich. Remember him when he road raced? Yeah, absolutely. How yep. old is Jesse Janich? Do you have any? That's idea? a good question. I don't remember. Is he mid thirties or thirties? I mean, because I remember him racing. It would be like fifteen years ago in road racing, wasn't it? Like, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it must it's have a been. long time ago. Long yeah. time ago. But Yamaha um, wins that one, and then Harley Davidson on the on the XG750. That's a Vance and Hines bike that uh, Jesse Janich was racing for. You know, so Hayden Gillum podium. was racing there, wasn't he? Uh, yes, Hayden, Hayden Gillum, Gillum was racing. Yep, I don't know he, what he was racing, but I know he, he was finished he, on a D and D cycles. Vance and Hines, you know, um, Harley Davidson in the twins class, and he finished fourth. So okay. he was about seven seconds behind the podium, but he was also eight seconds ahead of uh, Johnny Lewis. Danny Eslick was there racing. He made the main. No way. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He he finished a lap down. Um, obviously, Corey Texter, you know, the, your, your standards. The regulars. I know Raspoli yeah. was a little bit beat up. I had talked to him because he'd had a big crash the week before, and I went back and forth with him a little bit. And, yeah, anyways. Look, so. they're up against it in that, in that series with the Harley-Davidson. I mean, just the way that they allowed Indian to come in and build whatever motor and blah, blah. It's just... It's a mess over there, in my opinion, but nobody cares about my AFT opinion. Um, In the Twins category, Corey Texter still leading that championship, 219 to 170. So they have uh, five races left in the season. I'll be at Charlotte. I'm going to Charlotte for the last one of the year. Yeah, you said. That's good. Yeah, that'll be good. good. In the singles class, on the other hand, our boy (laughs) Dallas Daniels, man, is is the, uh, you know, I'm good friends with the producer over there, Brad Jones, and he said Dallas Daniels took a big hit. They had a okay? big crash. I'm not sure. I haven't been able to check into it. But uh, Henry Wiles wins over uh, Max Whale and Cole Zabala, I guess is how you pronounce it. Sorry, Cole. Zabala? I don't know. Out of, I'm just, out of, uh, out of yeah, firing up Dallas Daniels. I, I follow him on Instagram, and I hadn't seen anything. Like I hadn't seen anything. So well, the, the, the worst part is, is that now Max Whale, who was able to score 20 points over Dallas Daniels scoring two points, so there's an 18 point difference and the championship is 16 points. So mm. Dallas must have been leading this championship by two going into it. Now he's 16 back with five to go. But Got of course, it. we're fans of Dallas Daniels because he's a really good kid. Number one. Great kid. Great kid. And he he, he dipped his toe into road racing a few times and <clears> uh <throat> and had a run, a hard run, if you will, and hard frustration with Rocco Landers and Junior Cup. Um yeah, but I, he's a good I, dude. I'm a big fan of that kid. He's just a good kid. Like mm-hmm. just a good guy. So yeah, 
yeah, when you when you sit there and you uh, you know that he, I and I hadn't had a chance to really read up to see if he's if he's okay. So let's just hope he's doing all right and um, and those guys go on to their when's their next race, Greg? You know, their next race is going to be the Springfield TT, which I believe is this weekend coming up. Yeah, perfect. Okay, and or Springfield, the not the TT, the Springfield Ma- short Mile? track. I, no, oh, they're short going to short track. Yeah, I believe they're short track. Yeah, yep. got it. All right. Well, in moto. Promoto was happening this weekend. I'm, I'm really enjoying watching Promoto, and probably more than any ever. I, I love the TV coverage of it and all that. And Dylan Ferrandis bounces back from from Unadilla, where Roxon had just dominated. These guys swap moto wins this weekend. Ferrandis goes two one. Roxon goes one two. Our your boy rather Eli Tomac goes four four three. He's my boy. I didn't know. Oh, yeah. No, I like Eli. Chase Sexton three four. So. Top five guys, Ferrandis, Roxon, Tomac, Sexton, Cooper Webb ends up fifth. Joey Savacci, good run from Joey Savacci, ends up six, seven for the day. He ends up sixth overall. Muscan, seventh. Dean Wilson, I think that's a pretty good result for him, too, in the top 10. Cody Shaw, keep your eye on that guy as far as, uh, you know, he's he's mixing it up with these guys. He ended up seventh in the first moto, did Cody Shaw. Max Anstey ends up 10th. So when you look at it right now, Ferrandis and Roxon and Tomac, they're all kind of battling for the championship. I think it's a big statement win for Ferrandis. He got beat up a little bit at Unadilla by Roxon as far as he, he just said Roxon just has that place so dialed in that, you know, couldn't get near him. And so he ends up uh, bouncing back this week. And I, and what I thought was a pretty big win for him in the 250 class, Jeremy Martin, J Mart goes on and wins the first, uh, uh, wins the second motor to go three, one jet Lawrence has a pair of seconds on the day to finish second overall. Justin Cooper goes one, four. Then you had Hunter Lawrence, Austin Forkner with probably, I think it's his best result of the year. I think so. Uh, yeah, Joe Shimoto ends up six. Did you know he's from Suzuka City? Shimoto. Uh, Joe Anyways. Shimoda? I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Huh. Uh, Hampshire, Masterpool. We're going to get Joe on a road race bike. Enough with this dirt falling around with this there. dirt stuff. Come on, Joe. Jalex Swole goes 515 to finish 10th. I think that championship's got me a little bit more intrigued. And I, you know, you and I were having a laugh because our boy Weege is, is obviously on the Pulp Motocross podcast with Steve Mathis and. Jason Thomas and, and I, I, I kind of listened to that pretty much religiously. Um, but last week there was this big thing about you know Justin Cooper finishes fourth in the second moto and Mathis is sitting there going, "Wait a minute, you're you're telling me it's the bike? Like it's the bike?" <laughs> and it was going, it went, it went on for about ten minutes and it was absolutely, I was I was dying laughing because he's like, "So you're telling me the team gives you a bike that you can go out and you win the first moto and an hour later, an hour later, it's the bike's fault that you finish fourth and you're a minute eleven behind." And these guys all went on this big tangent, the three of them. Well, this weekend, Cooper Webb goes out. I'm sorry, Justin Cooper goes out and wins the first moto. And then guess where he finished in the second moto, Greg? Fourth. Same place. Same place fourth he finished again. at Unadilla. Yeah. Yeah. Fourth again. So it's going to – I'm actually looking forward to them. I'm looking forward to that podcast this week <laughs> because I'm sure it's going to pick up right where it left off. And, um, you know, and, and we – Weege and JT are going like, all right, so what do you think it is? He's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. what Did he not get enough sleep? Did he did he not get enough sleep? Did he have arm pump? Like, goes on this list. He goes, but it can't be the bike. Like, it can't be the bike, you know? So, uh, yeah. That's, so I mean, the, 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 the difference last week at Unadilla was, and Weege actually texted me about it because he listened to the podcast. The reason why 450s went before 250s was because of the time window for television. I mean, we've, we've been in that situation plenty yeah, of times, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's why it changed. And, you know, you have to do say, all right, when, and I've been around it long enough to know that when 450s go before 250s, that track is, it takes a beating. 
Uh, you know, yeah. the 450s dig oh, in deeper. They imagine. make bigger oh, ruts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it can be a thing. But yeah, if, if you look at Justin Cooper's results, Jay, you know, other than, say, Thunder Valley, um, in terms of the moto wins, this, the second round, yeah. Justin Cooper had been stronger in the second motos until we got the, in, in, until basically uh, Southwick. After yep. Southwick, we go to Spring Creek, and it starts this run. But since Washougal, Unadilla, and now Bud's Creek, it's been win the first one and then not, you know, not, not on the podium. The yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, at Washougal, he had a crash, I think, in the second motor. I remember that. Um, yeah. And but that, I think he, he salvaged something. But yeah, you're exactly right. So who knows? Yeah, I it's, mean, it's, it's, but the championship's close. You're talking three points. It's only three points now between Justin Cooper and Jet Lawrence. Jay, if I told you, I know you're not a betting man, so this is going to be really difficult no, I don't question like to for you to answer. At all. Yeah, it. at all. But yeah. if I said, look, you got to throw down $5 on the table, Cooper or Jet Lawrence to win this championship, who would you put that $5 Jet on? Mm. Jet Lawrence. It seems like he rides a lot more free to me. Cooper uh, in the first motos is obviously very good, and Lawrence in the second moto. I, throughout the weekend, I think Lawrence's big thing for me just by watching this is the starts. He's got to get good starts. Um, and, and Justin Cooper gets tremendous starts. He's always hole-shotting in this and that. So. Yeah, it, it's it's good. That's good that Weech still listens to us. That's that's kind of him. It's funny because they they're, <laughs> they're on there and 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 like it's so great because Math just will just beat him up. Like so, Weech, you had you had a tough show this week. Like you know, your hair didn't look good. You were yawning. You were. I was dying laughing. Oh really? Was, Did they, oh, they crush him yeah. like that? <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine like imagine us like having a third party involved in our deal and crushing us on TV for this and that? You know, he's like, and why didn't you show the battle for this? And why weren't you, you know all the stuff that you and I get? Uh, it's like, like you know, and we just, just dude. I love Mathis. Mathis has been he you know, in, in the in the couple of years that I did. You know, I was there as a PA announcer uh, on and off during the course of the year with those guys. <laughs> Mathis was always a huge help for me, and he, you know, he has my number. He would text me or message me somehow and say, "Hey, by the way, you just said this 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 bit wrong, or you might want to add this bit." And it was he was always so helpful, and he's he's a fun guy. And but he's just opinionated, and he's not afraid to say it. And so part of me is envious in a way, right? Because you oh, and I are in a too. position where we oh. have to kind of mute ourselves occasionally, or you know. And Math is just like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, we'd this have is to how use, I think. We'd have to use fake identities if we really wanted to say some of the things that we want to say. Sometimes, you know. How many times in your social media career have you thought about starting a fake account just so you can blast somebody? Dude, a thousand. A thousand. I just thousand never times. have that. You know. It, Thank God I just don't have that much time to deal with it. But yeah, yeah. I don't either. I don't even have time for social media. And, but I've yeah, thought about all, like, oh man, I wish I had a second account. I would tell this person how it really is. But this goes back to the start of our podcast. My Netflix program is so bad. that <laughs> It's so bad that now it's like, it's got me addicted to like a few podcasts, but that's my, that's well, wait, wait, like but, but wait a second. If, and I, if love, I listen to him and I listen to uh, Steve English. So if I your listen- Netflix account, you're talking about the text is in, Portuguese, and in addition to that, every time you click it, you get like Portuguese, like either subtitles or hundred percent. Everything's Portuguese. (laughs) I just everything's Portuguese. I just want to know who hacked your account and who. Okay, so I was in Portugal for World Superbike a couple Uh, years ago. Okay, and I don't know if that's where I opened my account. I don't know what's going on, but I've literally had a couple (laughs) of friends that know. You know, that know the whole computer scene and how to fix it and how to do this. Oh, yeah, we're going to get that sorted for you, JP. And then, like, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes into it, they're like, whoa, 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 why, why can't we fix this? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I've tried. Sort me out. 
but it's good because my podcast game is good now. I list, there's about three that All I right. listen to. All right. Well, so hey, if you work for Netflix and you're listening to this podcast, which our reach is out. just millions of people. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Reach out to Jason Pridmore. Trust me when I tell you, and everyone who's friends with Jason Pridmore is really going to relate to what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. He needs help. Oh. He needs a lot of help. I need a ton. If, yeah, if, if it plugs into the wall or it has a battery attached to it, he needs help. It would just be so... It would be great if a computer was throwable. <laughs> like, I need a computer that I can throw as hard as I can mm. on the ground, mm-hmm. against the wall, with my anger management issues. I mean, Dude, think I, about how much that would come in handy, like, during gambling season, if I was gambling. <laughs> I thought I was going to throw my bow once or twice. And everything uh-huh. everything was just because of how stupid. Just, you're hey, at full you draw, everything's lined up, and for some reason, the brain just goes to something completely different. Like, oh, on the podcast, I'm going to mention, and then boom, I shoot an eight. And I'm like, dude, what is what is wrong with you? Right, we so got into single round I, eliminations, I, I, Jason, by the way. Yeah. You what? We got into single round eliminations. I had a buy in the first one. And then yeah. I go to shoot the second one. And I start, first arrow I threw down range was a seven. And I thought, oh, God, that's not you got to be kidding me. We yeah, have, that's not good. We have, we have five ends, three arrows each. And then I shot eight, eight. And I was like, oh, yeah. this is how this is going. But yeah. anyway. Well, yeah, I, I, sat I, I I had an interesting weekend because, you know, I, I caddied for a friend who was trying to make it on the LPGA tour. And what was cra- crazy about it is when you're out there, we had a, we had a girl in one, in one of the days in our groups. And this is what, go- this is what golf does to you. You know, you sit there and you, you watch women play and you do this, that this girl was classic. She's out there dropping F bombs and she's swearing. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay. At least I know that like it crosses over. Because 100%. Most of the girls out there are pretty mellow. They're pretty chill. And then we. Well, yeah, speaking but, of weekends, what are you going to do this weekend? Because in our racing calendar, you know, yes, MotoGP sir. lands at the UK in Silverstone. Yep. And I'll according to what I've seen, Jason, upper 60s and mostly sunny for the entire weekend in the UK. Can you believe it? It's well, I can true. tell you right now that that if you're Fabio Quattararo, you do not want to see rain in the forecast. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it gives you an opportunity to be sh- better. Yeah, but with his points lead right now, that guy is going to be sweating any days that it rains. And I think that when you look at it with that track, that's you know, Ducati's Yamaha goes really well there, but Ducati's fast should do pretty well there. Let's not forget what Alex Rins did the last time they were there. Wasn't it 2019 when he beat Marquez at the line? I could be wrong. I could be a year off on that. But um yeah, like Silverstones. Yeah, but speaking of that, it's time for it's time for Peco and time for Rins to step up. Like they've got to They've got to start winning races and taking points away from Quadraro or this championship is over. It's I don't think over. It's, and I just don't think it's over. I think you're going to I don't think it's me. over. No. I think, I think my boy Rins is going to just tighten up his belt. By the way, you can go to fantasy.motogp.com. Rins? What are you talking about Rins? What do you mean your boy Rins? Where, Sorry, not you, Rins. No. You're talking Mir. Mir. Rins. Yeah, I knew that's what you were talking about. You know, there's too few letters in both of those riders' last name, okay? They need to have like a Crutchlow <laughs> and a Rins or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway, sure, it, it doesn't matter. Promoters yeah. back in action over yeah. the weekend. They're going to Crawfordsville. And uh, if I wasn't working this weekend down in Southern Georgia, I think I'd go to Crawfordsville. I got a couple friends that live within earshot of the track, archery friends that go to GNCC and go to the Pro Motocross race. I would love to have been there. Um, yep. The IRC Moto Climb Super Series is in Billings, Montana. Now, I wonder if my little friend Trexton Schaff is going to Head over there. He got a new Husky EE5. He's five years old, and the kid is fast. Oh, wow. Remember I posted up when I was in yes. Billings on the motorcycle? I got to have breakfast with him. Obviously, That's his cool. parents. His yep. dad. So so 
Trexton's father is the one who cut his hand, who I was supposed to be shooting archery oh, with in the team round. It, he was putting it, it together it. for him and his oh, and his gosh. daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Schaff and his and, and his yeah. Anyway, and World Speedway is in Russia. FIM World Trials is in France. So right. there you go. Uh, I'm gonna enjoy. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna enjoy a weekend at home. Watch some Pro Moto. Gonna watch MotoGP. Mm. And then um, yeah, I got a team event on Monday, Tuesday that I got to go play in on Monday, Tuesday, and then I mean. I thought I thought we left next week for Jersey, but we leave like the week after. The week after, yeah. Where are so you staying in Jersey? Did you get a hotel already? I uh, yeah, I got on on with the crew the crew hotel because oh. I was trying to find one and I couldn't find one, so I just I reached out to our executive producer and said, "Hey, can I get on?" And that one end for Barber as well. I wonder what that. What do you remember where? No, I haven't even gotten the paperwork yet. I need to call him. Mm-hmm. I mean, rooms are like two hundred bucks a night there. Dude, it's gnarly. Yeah. Pretty sorry. I think so. it's going to be really well attended. So I'm going to ride up there. It's a garbage ride, but I'm going to try to do something with the bike where I go up the one, get on a uh, a ferry in Delaware. I think oh, Dover, that'd be cool. and then, yeah, and then that'd be good. I might have to go to New York City with some stuff going on with uh, with Hudson Valley motorcycles and with Corey Alexander. And you know, they might want me to go up there with the bike and do some things a couple days early or whatever. Yeah, so that's great. I'm that'd all into great. that. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, at Jersey for what it, what the place is, we get a lot of really enthusiastic fans and people there. Yeah, and keep so. in mind, people, if you're on the fence about coming to Jersey for Moto America or coming to Barber, three superbike races in the same weekend to kick off or to end the season. That's pretty so, good. Yeah, Championships because, are going to get decided, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple that could probably go down here at Jersey. Um, yeah, we'll super see. sport. Yeah, I haven't even really done the math for, I mean, superbike. I mean. Superbike's big. Um, what's he got to have, 150-point lead? But, I mean, like, we know that. Supersport SDK's got a sixty-one point lead. If he leaves there with fifty, he's got it in his pocket, right? So, yeah, hundred percent. Or shirts for are, some reason, are, he shirts has, are getting printed. Shirts, yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah. Somebody's loading up a box right now and, yeah. and shipping those shirts to Alabama for sure. Um, yeah, because all he needs, first. all he needs yeah. is what after race one. If for some reason he ended up having a seventy-five point lead or more, Done. he he can wrap it up. But yeah, fifty points is the deal. Yeah, and I mean, he if he finishes second in both races to Escalante, that's 51 points. So it's, you know, we'll see how it goes. I know that yeah. they're not saying that they're thinking about that, but they are thinking about that. Well, so. we're thinking about it because we do the television What's, stuff. And yeah, I mean, you know what? The other thing, I haven't been able to look at long-term, long forecast out. But yeah, we'll do the podcast next, what, next Tuesday, Greg? Thanks for everybody for listening. And uh, let's have a great weekend this weekend.